Welcome to Afroability, a conversation about African business and technology. Today, we're going to discuss the future of the African tech ecosystem. We'll discuss our hopes for African entrepreneurs, startups, investors, and tech businesses in 2021. And then we'll end with a quick discussion of our future podcast plans. This episode was recorded on December 27th, 2020. B-Dub, how goes it? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I actually had in my notes to call you Floriats, but then I was like, huh, that's a little too inside baseball. That's, that's, uh, people should know that we both went to King's College. Anyways, what are we talking okay. about today? Okay, so today we're going to talk about 2021 Africa Tech, some of the stuff we'd like to see, and yeah, the evolution of the African tech ecosystem in the short term. Why aren't we doing predictions on Day? That's a question I should ask you. <laughs> I think predictions are a bit um, fraught with bias. So let's just call them what they are. People predict yes. what they like to see. So let's just call it what we like yes. to see versus couching it under some kind of predictions. Overall, I think it'll be an interesting discussion. We'll talk about um, the African tech ecosystem, how it's going to evolve. It, it had some significant wins in 2020. So we'll see if it can continue to ride that to 2021. But the general economies of most African countries did not have wins. So unfortunate. So what would I like to see in 2021? I would like to see um, what I'm calling system, system enablers versus solution providers. So I think of huh. businesses that reduce the barrier to entrepreneurship. So businesses that solve problems for entrepreneurs, all kinds of entrepreneurs across different perspectives. So uh, an example category is like API startups and fintech. So there are a number of them. There's Mono, raised 500k pre-seed. There's OnePipe, raised a million dollars. Okra, raised another million dollars. Yeah. So there's a number of people that do API startups is one big category. So, so Bunkle, you were saying enablers versus, can you talk about the distinction again? The distinction is um, Paystack is a good example. So Paystack allows entrepreneurs to be entrepreneurs. Right. right. So versus somebody that solves a direct problem for me um, ah, in, say, okay. betting. Platform businesses that create more value um, for the ecosystem than the platform themselves can capture. Um, okay. That's, that's Everyone what, would say they're in that bucket. Not, not many of them can back it up. Like people can say what they want to say. Not many of them can back it up. I think right. what I would like to see in 2021 is more of that, more of those things that lower the barrier. For, for specific reasons, entrepreneurship in Africa is particularly harder than most. Some of them are systematic, mm-hmm. regulatory. ETC and there are many different like app solutions tools to bring to bring that down and bring that back. I'm looking forward to okay. more of those things. I see, I see. So basically, platforms that help entrepreneurs Instead do more entrepreneur business. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like Enablers. If, if I want to start a, if I want to start an online store, I need to think about yes. payments and there's Paystack, Flutterwave, Interswitch for that. Yes. I need to think about like escrow services. There's a bunch of companies that do that. Connecting to banks and different things, a bunch of things that do that. I think those are the right. kind of businesses and that support not just commerce. Commerce is a very easy one, but I think that um, I'm excited to see what people build on top of these kind of platform businesses that are coming up. So that's probably the first thing I want to see more of because to spur the ecosystem, you need to like um, create all this like um, a strong foundation. I think that's the first thing. Yeah, I, I like it. It's a good. It's a good point because I feel like. If you don't do that, the opposite would be you try to build on, um, let's say, creaky foundations, which may make it harder to scale in the long term. The short term, you may be fine. Subscale exactly, businesses. Right. You just, yes, without subscale. this foundation, you just have people who sell hair on Instagram um, right. and not able to scale or grow past two or three outlets or 20 sales a day and things like that. Um, right. Versus you want to be able to have warehousing as a service and things like that, like a platform right. that allows people to to aggregate that demand or supply and serve that. I think those platforms are, we're in the early days of that. I think hopefully we come right. back in the, in the next year, but like this whole sector has exploded. Right. But, but you know what the ultimate enabling infrastructure is for most African countries, or let's just say Nigeria, is the power one. So let's do, when we do the power episode, we're calling it energy infrastructure now. I'd love to talk about that because the, the generator um, tax um, is a lot for a lot of businesses. So, so let's discuss that next year. I'm curious. I think you're more optimistic than I am. I'm, I'm less like, look, okay, we know power sucks. We can cost that. We can put it on a PNL line, how much a generator costs and how much it is to run. And then we can figure out if the return rate of return covers that cost the same way you think about if it covers the labor cost. I'm less optimistic right. about power as like a problem to be solved or a platform. I'm just more like, how do I get? Well, indirectly, what you said is a platform. The generator then is its own platform. It's just an inefficient platform. So your your point is still correct. It's just like it, at least it has a solution, even though it's inefficient plus expensive. Versus think they don't have any solution at all. Fascinating. Yeah. Generator is a service. So those those system enablers are pretty cool. Look, I mean, it sounds insane as you talk about it, but I would pay to split the generator with people on my street or to yeah in. yeah. But you can't do that by law, by the way. Cool. 
Second thing that I would like to see more is um, more of is non-telco internet options. Okay. I think there's okay. Google there's Google Loon uh, running trials in Kenya and Tanzania. There's SpaceX Starlink that running trials in the US, and that's pretty good and pretty cheap for now. Wow, this is for 2021. This sounds like a 2028 pick. <laughs> if Google Loon is already in Kenya like this year in 2020, I think it's expanding okay. in, in 2021. I was talking about the, the SpaceX one on mm-hmm. the roadmap. SpaceX is actually in a, in a public beta as well, and there's no reason why they can't be in Africa, given depending on where the satellites are. They've launched thousands into space, and you need to have a you can self-install a satellite by yourself on the ground and use that and pay that for internet. It's self-install yourself, a person or like a business. Uh, no, I can sign up and I uh-huh. ship something to my house and I put it in my backyard and I get oh, a satellite wow. signal for my internet. And that works today okay. in Washington State, for example, in the US. Right. Um, I think those, and it's gigabits, no, 100 Mbps, 150 Mbps download. Yeah. Way Please. higher than anyone needs. Indeed, Even I don't yeah. have that. Yeah, I, I have that on Monday. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I think those things, for what I would want to see, you're right, it could be longer than 2021. I think that that internet access and smartphone penetration would, like, would drive that. If you have internet, you start to be able to do more things with internet and it drives like people getting those devices and people getting into the internet economy. Um, that's something I would like to see a lot more. I think the telcos yeah. have business models that may or may not align. And I don't blame them. The outputs are like 2 or $3. Like, right. It's not investment worthy. And you need some kind of scale or a different model to really spread out the internet because of their operation, operational costs. Right. Right. Just for the audience, that's per month, by the way, the ARPU says. So 2 to $3 per month, average revenue per user for the telcos per month. So, so quite low. You know, it's funny. As we go through this conversation, a in lot the of US, things are talking. So just quickly, in the US, it's like 40 or $50. Exactly. Unfortunately, it's another a separate issue. As you talk about this, a lot of the points you're raising lead us back to our access stack from a few episodes ago. Hashtag mm-hmm. access stack, which for the audience was electricity um, and then phones and then internet. So you have power. If you have power, you can charge your phone. If you have your phone, then you have internet. Then with those three things, at least you can you can do something in society. Property rights, even. So the final piece, the final thing I would like to see. Personally, I want to see Africa becoming a stronger talent source for remote work. Um, mm. I really believe, like I, I took a trip once to, um, talked about this in a previous episode, to Philippines, and they have a huge BPO outsourcing industry there. And I think Nigeria can be that. There are a couple of startups in that space working mm-hmm. there, raised some money, quite thoughts who have who are serving US based clients um, from Nigeria with hundreds of employees and doing data labeling, um, sales services, number of them I can think of. Um, nice. I, d- I want to see that happen at scale. Like it it solves 23, 24% youth unemployment, uh, brings in Forex, gets people to be part of a global ecosystem and makes mm-hmm. local labor even more competitive. Yeah. I think I want to see that scale. And I've been, I've, a couple of founders in this space have reached out to me, like on LinkedIn. I've been seeing many businesses mm-hmm. in this space. I think many people see the same opportunity. The time is now. Yeah. The currency rate differential is the highest it's ever been. The attractiveness and the labor is the cheapest it's ever been relative to cheap labor right. in, in the West. And the talent is the talent. Um, the hustle is real. Like people will hustle. So that's probably mm-hmm. like my third, um, as far as predictions, it's probably like the biggest on, one. On, on, that, on that third one, is it more, what, what kinds of um, <laughs> jobs would they have? Is it more customer service or is it more advanced skill type tasks? So what kind of roles would they what's have happening right now is mm-hmm. data labeling, uh, sales, yeah. customer service yeah. type. What's happening yeah. right now? There's no reason, there's some engineering, but I don't think that's a skill. Mm-hmm. So there's Andela, there's a bunch of those things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's happening nearly as a scale as data labeling, for example. Okay. Um, for the audience, data labeling is the is the real name for AI and ML. When you hear AI and ML, the, the, the dirty secret is someone needs to do the initial tagging, aka getting the uh, source of truth for the machines to recognize later. So it's a core AI task. Exactly. And and as as AI continues to explode in different use cases, people need to label the data pieces, and you need right. tens of millions of labels just for for context. For an average um, big tech company that uses a lot of these models, you need tens of millions of of, of labels for Mm. any one of these models or model sets in in production so yeah that's that's a lot of labels that's a lot of things i think that there's there's a lot of young people the average age in africa i think is 15 or something yeah it's really really young it's It's like a teenager basically Um, yeah youth unemployment is very high in many african countries as a legacy of the of the british um english is a first language Mm -hmm. um so there's room there's some potential and opportunity there, even english or french um there's yeah. a potential demand for that. Time zones for us with Europe also work. 
So you can do yeah, real time. You can do real time data processing. Um, mm. um, for example, if you're watching stuff on on live on on YouTube and you want somebody to watch it to be sure that it's not thing bad, you can have the whole team <laughs> real live to do that. That's something I'm, I'm excited about for next year. Is yeah. is so one system enablers versus like direct solution providers. So mm-hmm. businesses that enable the system or enable entrepreneurs to be entrepreneurs. Right. People that build stuff for builders to build. Um, yeah. Second is non-telco internet options. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty excited about that. Basic as it means of spreading our internet access. I think right. I'm less bullish about the telco's willingness and ability to do it for good reason. Because it just seems that the more internet they have, the more other people can monetize it. The more the Facebooks, the Googles of the world, and the YouTubes and the TikToks will monetize yeah. internet access and they keep making $2 a month and YouTube is selling crazy ads or whatever. Yeah. And finally, Africa becoming a talent source. Uh, I love it. I love it. I, I'm much more, I think the first one is much more likely than the other two, just because uh, there seems to be more money to be made there. So like supply demand, there'll be a lot more demand for that. But yeah, I'm optimistic for all three of them. The second one is fascinating because on one hand, yeah, just more people providing internet is a win just because, you know, yeah. there's more supply. I worry that the amount of revenue to be made is so low yeah. and the telcos have set up a system where they can survive on such low revenues. It, it, you, you basically, it's what you said a few episodes yeah. ago. You need an orthogonal business model that doesn't involve building so many towers. That's why I like your example of yeah. Loon and SpaceX. It's not yeah. a build tower thing. I mean, yeah. you could do that. We have a Reliance Geo episode, yeah. but that's like the fixed costs Both for that. Make it, yeah. Exactly. It, it makes it harder. Better to think about it orthogonally. So let's see. Um, the business, The business model for the current ways internet are provided doesn't work for spreading internet. Yeah. Uh, these incentives are not that strong for them to spread internet because voice revenues are declining. Data yeah. revenues, data, data revenues are growing, but not fast enough to account for, you know, um, reducing voice revenues. Yeah. I, I just don't see if you're an MTN exec saying, Hey, go build more base stations in this rural area. Yeah. So everybody can get yeah. on WhatsApp. Typically, the government even has to force telcos to do that just because yeah. the, the ARPU they're going to get from the villages and the remote areas is so low. They're not never going to make their, their money back. That happens in the U.S. That happens in the U.S., by the way. Because the government mandates like uh, a lot of the big uh, telcos to provide rural internet, r- internet discounts to low-income people um, by law. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. That's one. And speaking of government, okay, I'm going to go through my uh, three things I would like to see in 2021. Funny enough, my first one is just about the government. So the first one is minimal government involvement and regulation in tech startups. I hope, I, 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 I would be so happy if I don't read a single article where the government has any regulations in tech. So Why? obviously, the, give me an example yeah, of something that is. Bad. I, I, I'm, I'm going to get into it. So obviously, the best outcome is that the government they set the ground rules. They set a fair playing field, all that, and then everyone builds on top of that. But unfortunately, that's less likely to happen. So if they can't do that, prefer if they just leave it. So obviously, there are a lot of examples from all our podcast episodes where they've done immense harm. So the OPE, our OPE episode, which is episode nine, the ride sharing ban, which is horrible. Yeah. yeah. Our MTN episode, episode 10, the $5 billion fine, which I'm sure they could explain was they have some rationale for it, was probably just horrible. Internet censorship episode, episode seven. I'm not even going to go through all the different African countries where they try to censor the entire internet, which is even worse than a ban. So there's so many, I have so many different examples. And that's just from our episodes, not to mention the rest of the things so, we didn't even talk so about. Government, so government stops doing stupid stuff. Is basically yeah, they've done so many bad things that the funny thing is a lot of them are well-intentioned. The problem is like, if you're well-intentioned, it's better to just leave it. I feel like unless there is a clear sense of harm and there's a clear negative outcomes. I just prefer if the government doesn't get involved. So hopefully when we look back a year from now, December 2021, I can say, yes, there were very few examples of government mucking things up, especially internet banning. Internet yeah. banning is the worst, the censorship. Some of these ones are they're bad, but the whole country's censorship, ish, we have a whole episode on that if you want to go back. Yeah. You know what's, what's a cool way to solve that problem or to address mm. that problem is to get government to set up an investment fund and invest in these companies. Oh, that would be Because think be about the like best. Kenya and Safaricom France yes. and Orange, and France and yes. Orange. Yes. Like, just get government to invest in um, a couple of major companies or a portfolio. Like, government that to set up NSIA to invest in a bunch of, maybe not even startups specifically, 
maybe in a fund of funds, maybe give seed money to everybody, do a competition. And by the way, on this topic, the Chinese government took um, ownership stakes in all the big companies. I, I thought that was, that was, that's a pretty hard way to, to do it. It was just like, oh, we now own X percent of Baidu, Y percent of Alibaba, Z percent of Tencent. I was like, wow, that's, but they're like, if you want our support, just we'll take equity ownership stakes. Sort of what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, government is not a monolith, but probably to get government to drop doing bad things is to just have somebody yes. have some skin in the game. Yes, right. align their incentives. Exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. if the Lagos State government had some share in all the ride-sharing companies or set it up in they that were way, exactly, it would be very different. Exactly. Wiped out yeah. complete businesses and networks. If, if anyone that works in the government or has any experience of government officials, government teams trying to invest in startups or thinking about it, please email us, info at I'd love to talk to someone about this because yeah. there has to be a way where Likewise. the government feels like they're winning. And when I say winning, they're getting revenue such that they don't have to like screw some of these companies over. So anyway, that's my first one. Let's see how it goes in 2021. From the governments, the other thing I was thinking about is, is at least in Nigeria, less so in Ghana and mm. Kenya, also in South Africa, some kind of exchange rate stability. I, ah. I struggle like if you look at uh, I don't know Interswitch's books over ten years, is like they've made some money, but they've also lost some money because three billion naira today and three billion naira five years ago is a complete world apart. Um, yeah. Well, I, I like to say like before when I was in Nigeria and I was saving for grad school, naira to dollar was one fifty one sixty. Today wow. it's five hundred. Like. It's not a great way to save or a great way to invest, and it's it's hard to make any meaningful amount of money. Yeah, um, for our audience who are from different countries, like the three x devaluation basically means three x lower spending power. So imagine if for our American audience you had a hundred thousand dollars five years ago, that now would be worth the equivalent of thirty three thousand dollars because it's a third. So it's quite significant in just five years, and the same thing in pounds. So it's easy to say it. You know, one sixty four, eighty five hundred, but like losing two thirds of your spending power is a lot in just five years. So it's yeah. it's quite bad. And, and for yeah. a country that's dependent on imports, we import a lot of raw yeah. materials. Um, yeah, and it's the same thing in South Africa, by the way, not just Nigeria. The, also, the second biggest economy, South African rand, has been hugely devalued. Not as much as the naira in Nigeria, but also a sec- an issue there. I actually worried less about draconian policies versus consistent policies that create a consistent environment that you can plan for. I I because it, it's like why if. At any time, if I change $100 into Naira today, I'm making, I'm a currency trader. Every <laughs> self-reference, like, instantly, um, you become a currency trader because you're currently trading. If you have any kind of exposure, you're yeah. instantly a currency trader because you have to make a judgment call as to how much you keep in Naira versus dollars. And, yeah. and like, that's, might as well open an E-Trade account and, and set up Forex. It's pretty much what yeah. every, everybody who has those kind of multiple currency liabilities has to do. Second one is more micro and distributed investments for smaller African startups. Hmm. So what does that mean? More micro and distributed investments. I've I've been getting very intrigued recently about um, investment funds, rolling funds, and micro LPs, who basically they help democratize investments. But specifically, I feel like they're even more useful for African startups for a bunch of different reasons. First of all, we have a large diaspora, like a lot of people that live overseas. So the Africans, but they live in other yeah. countries. So I feel like if you can get them interested in African startups. Now, obviously, investing in startups is very risky. You're probably going to lose your money, all that stuff. But if you can get them micro amounts, because of the exchange rates, it could actually help a lot of smaller startups gain traction. And they're more likely to understand the obstacles those startups face. So for the audience, when we talk about micro LPs, I'm talking about like micro limited partners. Limited partners are basically people that invest invest in startups. Uh, I've seen some examples of this already. So I've seen some Africa-specific funds and specifically Africa-specific rolling funds. So there's one called Nikali Fund, N-K-A-L-I, which is going to launch next year. There's a Future Africa Collective. There's Musha Ventures. So I'm just excited to see more of this going, more investments and specifically micro and distributed investments for smaller startups. I think there's already a lot of investments for bigger ones. So excited for that. I'm starting to see some more of this uh, a lot more um, in the African diaspora here. I think a lot of the conversations I would have around people talking about, oh, either angel investing themselves or, right. or working with syndicates. That's a lot of yes. uh, group techs. Probably not the best idea in general in terms of personal finance. It would be a small proportion of the portfolio of that stuff. I just think there's an interesting angle there. There's all these Africans. They work in Silicon Valley. They live abroad. They have some money. And there's smaller companies in Africa that need startups. And I prefer for them to be more focused on tech startups versus just, you know, wine business, hair business, any other things, which I'm not. Obviously, I'm a tech you know, I'm a tech optimist, so I'm only interested in tech startups when it comes to this. But I'm sure it can also be done broadly. 
Sorry, on the side, I'm legit terrified about like uh, having 15 people in the US on my cap table while I'm in Nigeria. Like that would. That's why you do an SPV or a syndicate. It would all be rolled up under one special purpose vehicle. So um, for the audience, SPV, special purpose vehicle, it basically aggregates a bunch of LPs into one name on the cap table. Obviously, you don't want. You don't want hundreds of people on your cap table because they may, they may make up they may mess up the decision making later. No, you also have to go chase down signatures every time you want to get get a transaction. There, there are a lot of things going on now in the investment world that could really help accelerate this in 2021. We spoke about micro funds, the African ones I said earlier. They're rolling funds, and rolling funds are basically investment vehicles that are um, set up on a quarterly subscription basis. So you could pay a certain amount every quarter, and then the investment manager, the GP, could invest in startups. Mm. So fascinating stuff. Let's see how it evolves. I would specifically like to see these kinds of micro LPs involvement in sectors they needed the most. So health tech, um, educational tech, ed tech, and agriculture tech, ag tech. We have an ag tech episode soon, I think in like three or four months. So we can talk more about the agriculture side of things. I feel like these three specific sectors don't get as much love as fintech. So hopefully there's some more rebalancing um, yeah. and get, getting money would help the rebalancing. Also likely to be more long-term as well, because it can be a slog sometimes. I mean, outside of payments, I don't know anything else that has been that successful. Yeah. The best kind of thing would be like, let's put some hypotheticals, like an Africa tech health rolling fund. But most of the LPs are diaspora people that work in health. So they understand, okay, it's going to be longer term. They understand some of the obstacles. It, it's it's hard to think about just the investment side of it because you also need the ideas and the entrepreneur. But I think like, this is really missing. If people see that there are people who are willing to give them money and understand the obstacles, they're more likely to come up with ideas. Olimide, I so, am your conscience. Build it. <laughs> you basically just described a need that should exist. If anyone is already thinking about this, if you're setting up an Africa uh, health tech rolling fund, uh, Africa Ag Tech Rolling Fund, email me. I'll be your first subscriber. Um, Info.affordability.com, Illuminate.affordability.com. I will sign up. Just let me know. Cash down. Um, if not, I may have to do it myself. <laughs> yeah, cash down. Guaranteed. Okay. <laughs> last thing. Last thing. The third thing I'm looking at is, so the second one is about smaller tech startups. This is for bigger tech startups. So I'm looking at accelerating valuations and accelerating exits for larger tech startups. So on the InterSwitch episode... I spoke mm. about the fact it took InterSwitch like 10 years to get to a $200 million valuation. It took them 17 years to get to a billion-dollar valuation. I also said the Flutterwave and Paystack, they reached $200 million valuations in five years. So you can already see there's some acceleration and there's already been some exits. So I just hope the trend line continues because I think it has a lot of impacts. There's a first-order impact, the obvious stuff. There's more publicity. There's more hype. The founders are getting wealthier. The employees are getting well. I like that. But there's also some second-order things, which I think are important long-term to Africa Tech. Yeah. Specifically, more young people are attracted to starting companies. Parents yeah. and families understand that it's a legitimate occupation. Um, they don't think, oh, what are you doing? What is a startup? What does that mean? Join yeah. this big company. Join this consulting firm. I think when people start to understand that, oh, the person that founded Paystack now has whatever, $5 million. The person that founded this now has this. Mitch now has this. I, yeah. I think... Um, I was listening to an India Tech podcast and they were talking about um, the IIT mafia. So IIT is one of the most popular um, schools in India. Um, for, for It has a, a very a low acceptance rate. A network of schools, yeah. It's a network of schools, exactly. And what I thought was interesting, they said in the 90s and early 2000s, it was very, very frowned upon for anyone from IIT to join a startup. They were thinking about consulting with McKinsey, investment banking with Goldman. But at some point, it changed to the point where they now have their own mafia. Like they've had so, so many successful um, exits. The psychology of the students are now more attractive to start. And not just the students, also the parents. Because as we all know, yeah. in developing countries, there's a whole family, parents, all these things. So I'm excited for, for that. The accelerating um, exits for larger tech companies. The accelerating exits pieces is really cool. Just to quickly wrap on the um, accelerating valuations and exits for larger tech startups. I will say valuations is just a rough proxy for impact on the world. So really, when I say accelerating value, valuations and exits, I mean, you know, having more impact on value. the world. Hopefully, they're, they're tightly correlated. It's actually value to customers. I say that because, you know, in tech startups and investors, that's what they care about. But for the audience, really care about value to consumers and helping the world. But the only metric we have to track that is your valuation and your exit. So I think just to quickly recap the three things I said, minimal government involvement and regulation on tech startups, more micro and distributed investments for smaller African startups, and then accelerating valuations and exits for larger tech startups. So hopefully we can see some of those things in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm excited about cool. that. Cool. All right. So on a lighter note, we wanted to try a little uh, fun exercise to wrap up 2021. Uh, so we're going to do something where I'm going to ask- 2020. Ah, uh, 2020. Yes. 2021 has not started yet. Thank oh you. God. Thank you. 
Ah, okay. So I'm gonna ask Bankoli a few questions to that get I haven't his seen or heard before, by the way. Yes, which I'm on rehearsed questions. About. Nah, this, this, these questions are about Africa Tech and the podcast, so they'll be fine. Okay, so I'll ask you. Don't overthink it. Just tell me the first thing that comes to your I head. Will. I will. Okay, which affability episode are you most proud of? Jumia. Oh, why? Uh, because there's a narrative that I think is still inconsistent with wow. it's a differentiated opinion about some about a company that I don't, I don't see many okay. other, any other similar okay. analysis of. I think that's what I I'm most okay. proud of. It's probably not the one I enjoy the most, but I'm most proud of that one. Okay. Which affability episode are you most excited to do a sequel for? Uh, InterSwitch. Huh. After the IPO or they sell, right? Any Anytime. I think I, I think it's, it's, wow. there's a very clear business strategy that they're taking that is very separate to what Paystack of Autorev is taking, and it's intentional. And I think the Paystack of Autorev is a very Western-type approach, which is democratizing, democratizing access and open up to a lot of people and, and pricing and measuring and accepting some of that risk to grow the ecosystem. And they have a very different business model that, depending on who you ask, is good or bad. I'm just mm. curious as to the thinking behind that. I would love to like spend time with uh, okay. with somebody on the team and to talk through those intentional choices and sort of really probe on on how much they've thought through that and what did what do they see differently from the neo fintechs if you will because okay. I think that's still a fintech love it of the companies you've discussed on the podcast which would you leave your current role to join full time <laughs> I'll, I'll respond to emails for coos I tell you that much. <laughs> I want to be very clear. I wouldn't take a job with Naspers. I would I would be, I would schedule his appointments, I would order Fine. his lunch, I'll pick up his dry cleaning. That's what I would do. This is not like a job, but just do it for Naspers. What's the most surprising thing you've learned uh, during an episode? That Jumia was at risk of running out of cash by the end of this year. <laughs> You're in love with Jumia. No, okay. I was basically reading then, the annual reports and I was holding a calculator in my hand because <laughs> I had done the math on an Excel. I was like, this can't be right. So I put out a calculator and I was like, but this is how much you're spending and this is how much cash they have left. But then they went and raised a bunch of money. So we'll have Jumia for yeah. a while longer. Yeah, yeah, you can always raise more money or you could just, you know, yeah. have better economics with your PL and just, you know, not spend as much. Last question. What's the one thing you wish you knew before you started the Affordability Podcast? Man... <laughs> How much work? <laughs> I feel like I knew it, but I also didn't know it. You but also how much, much but work. also how much fun it would be, okay. I think. Cool. So those are the uh, unrehearsed questions I have for Van Collin. You wanna you wanna That's good. It's mm-hmm. my time. My time. Good. What was your favorite episode to prepare for? Different question. Ooh, close tie between Naspers and Geo. I love those. Even when I re-listen to those episodes. The way, when I listen, I'm like, I'm so hyped on the episodes. Uh, but if I had to pick, I would say, if I had to pick, I'd say Naspers, but very, very close to Geo. Because Geo, I already knew a lot about it before, because I follow India Tech very closely. But Naspers was basically like, what the? This is the most valuable African tech company in the world. And it's all just like, oh, they do this. Oh, they do this. Wow. Crazy yeah, shit. Yeah. Crazy company. Naspers is cool. If you could start it in business today, what would the business do? If I could start any business, no. Today. What would, like where do you see the most, op- aka where do you see the most opportunity for startups in Africa, and why? Ah, like, started a, yes. A startup, um, what would you do? But like, you know what? I define opportunity in terms of money. So this one is going to be there's no social or interest or there. interest, whatever. Just what would I you would pick, do, however you pick it. I would do an infrastructure company. That's lazy. That re- I more. would do an infrastructure company that represents all the fintechs. So basically, it would be a platform play. That benefits when the entire um, ecosystem does. What does it do? What would it do? It would do something that they all need as an input or they all push as an output. We have time. Tell me. Let's say a common thing, a common problem they all face is like fraud or something. Then you'd set up like a fraud thing that works with all of them and then it would reduce fraud for all of them. It would basically be a, something that represents all of them and is a horizontal across the entire sector. So you'd catch the wave, but you catch the wave because they all need you, but you're not. Um, particular to any part of it. You just fit all of them, for sure, what I would do. Interesting. Because basically what I want is, a, is an index fund of all African fintechs. I don't want to pick any specific one. And there are a bunch of services that they all need. You just need to go through across the, the full value chain. And then you pick the one that has either the most potential or the lowest competition. For the, sure, that's what I would the do. The way Dreamer Marketplace is an index for Africa e-commerce entrepreneurs and Paystack is a 
index for that? I don't maybe? know if I would say Jumia is. I would say Jumia is maybe Nigerian. It's, it's yeah. too focused on Nigeria. I would say, okay, for example, Take a Lot is yeah. a good index for South African e-commerce. Yeah. That's excellent. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. a big fan of index stuff. What do you What do you think is the most underrated, um, underrated comp tech company or sector in Africa that you think many people don't understand and therefore they're down on, or not as excited about? Or sector that you just think is sector is a bit easy, but okay, I think no, company is probably more sector. Hundred percent. I'm stuck between two. It's either um, health or power. Yeah. And I, the reason they're underrated is because it's too hard to make money from it. So it's not. It, it's it's logically underrated. People aren't underrating it because they don't want to. Everyone knows we need better education, we need better health, and we need better power. But if I had to pick one, I would pick. I would pick. I would pick the healthcare one. It's just. It has the most impact on, on society, I guess even what, more than education. I guess the question I'm trying to pull out here is, what do you think has the more alpha, like more return that people don't see? Like Even if people are excited about it, they are underestimating it. So somebody could say, for example, fintech is is going to be big, but, oh, like, yeah. but, but you could have a different opinion fine. and say that like, Paystack should have been worth twice as much because you have even bigger dreams for that. Is, is that how you feel about fintech? Or like, what, what sector would you be overweight I wouldn't be overweight in any sector, but I'd be underweight in some sectors. Everything is too early. Risk averse. Risk averse. I see. Yeah, I wouldn't be overweight in any sector. Okay. It's too early. Africa Tech. It, it, it's, it's like it's like someone asking you uh, 10 years ago, which internet sector would you be underweight? All the internet sectors in America have just grown. You would have lost money if you were underweight in any specific sector. Companies, you, yes. Sectors, no. You could have made money if you were overweight some. But <laughs> I, I understand how you think about uh, loss aversion. So Olympia is... Default stance is loss aversion, just so you know. Uh, cool. Final one. Of all the companies uh, we've looked at, which one would you work for? Which one oh, do you think you work for? You had the same question that I yeah, had. Yeah. But I want to know I, would, I want to know specifically what you would do. I think I know the answer, so I'll tell you after you say uh, Companies have we done? Okay. I'm going to open my, my, my sheet while we're chatting because we've done a lot of companies. Jumia, Transient, Uber, Nasper, Safaricom, Reliance Geo, Opay, MTN, Baiju, CC Hub, Airtel, Orange, Iroko, Interswitch, Flutterwave. I would join Naspers. And what would you do for them? For sure, VC, VC team, investments. That's of course, they're not investing in African companies. Someone from Naspers, hit me up. I will, <laughs> I will do it for you. Stop. You know, the, you're the biggest tech tech company, number one. Number two, you're actually in the second biggest economy. Number three, you're already investing in tech startups in India, Brazil. Like, come on, people, get it done. You're missing the whole wave. I, I thought I will do it for you. Guys. I thought it would be Easy. venture, but I thought you'd say something like MTN corporate venture, but not Naspers. Okay, so I know why you thought I would say that. The problem is you're fighting an uphill battle. They don't do VC and MTN, so you're fighting against the CEO. These guys, they already do it. They just focus on other countries. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, they focus on developing countries. That's why it's really funny, actually. Yeah. If, um, for they're the audience, this is our Naspers. They're like $5 million episode. checks in like Latin America. Yes. And you're like, ah. Yes. Yeah. Brazil, Russia, India, every, basically everything apart from, from Africa. So yeah, I would love to, to, to do that for them. I think like they have Argentina, a lot of Brazil. Like, come on. Yeah. It's yeah. a good one. Yeah, because on a way, in, in a way, it's understandable that, by the way, we're going to do an episode on this in the future for everyone. We're going to do it. Why are big African companies not investing in tech. We're going to do that episode. But in a way, I understand because they're not tech companies. Most large African tech companies, most large African companies are not tech companies. So for them, it's foreign. It's overpriced. They don't understand the value. But Naspers is the opposite. By definition, it should be investing the most. It's like Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent. Their VC teams are the biggest teams in the company because they're tech companies. So they understand the value. Anyway, I'm going off on a rant. They've, but done that, they've done that and they've gotten burns and they're like, ha ha. We'll wait it out. I'm sure they've got to burn. You always have before. to get burnt, man. That's the nature of VC. 99% of investments go to zero. You just you have to you have to push it. If you understand that most of them are going to zero, that's just the business. If you think you're not going to get burnt, you shouldn't be doing that business. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Non non podcast like uh, okay. You want to go non podcast question for Bank Um What's the favorite digital service or tool that you started paying for in 2020? Because you pay for a lot of stuff. So I this pay, question I pay is for a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's a good question. I think it would be room room research because it changed my it changed my entire workflow. I used to do bullet journaling before, which is have a notepad and write in a certain way in different sections. Mm-hmm. And I started using Rome and I moved to both, and now I just use purely um, Rome. Why it is Rome research not free, by the way? Because it costs money to make. I'm confused. Oh right, I mean everything costs money to make, but I'm still saying a lot of their competitors are close to free now. No, but they, no? They, they they have a they have a they have a, a differentiated approach to note taking. 
that's just it. It's, yeah. For some people, it makes a difference. For some, it doesn't. And they yeah. they realize that for the people for whom it makes a difference, it makes enough of a difference that they can capture more of that value. So basically, yeah, no, I was actually being niche. facetious. They yeah. have to charge because they're not making money through ads. They don't have a parent's company that's making money from other businesses. They have a loss By definition, it. they just have to charge because they don't have any alternative business model. I, yeah. was, I was half joking. Yeah. Um, What's, fav- what's your favorite podcast that you just started listening to in 2020? So favorite new podcast in 2020? Apart from Afrobility, obviously. I know. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say invest like the best, but I wasn't sure I started listening to it in 2020. No, I'm sure you started listening to it before yeah, then. I've you love in, that podcast. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm all about you it. you just start listening to it this year? No, 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 no. No. No, let me tell you my favorite podcast. The Wall Street Journal has a podcast, um, like a 20-minute podcast. You just catch up on something. So it would be like, okay. they did one on like uh, the... Um, the uh uh what's it called this payments so the wall street journal did a podcast on some payments that were going to government payments in the world are going to run out it's like oh i've been seeing this in the press 20 minute like explainer on what's happening get some experts in and i just come to people like shower or something that's probably the okay, best thing okay. so i just check for if there's a, a topic that's repeated in the news a lot i check in the wall street journal like oh tesla getting added to the s&p 500 I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to read all the 55 news articles from fanboys about it. I can just go to the Wall Street Journal podcast on that news topic. And they get experts and they talk about it for 20 minutes. And it's, I feel pretty sharp on it. Yeah. And that's a high quality source. So I like yeah. it. It's funny, though, that you'd like the summary of that, but you don't like the summary of books. But anyway, we're not going to go there. Because in a way, it's not consistent with your, your broader thing. Oh, it's consistent. Like long form. It's consistent because I don't care about um, the Tesla. Being, for example, sticking to the same example. Tesla being added to S&P 500, I'm only merely curious about that. That's more right. like, I would take a short form, I'm merely curious about that. It's curiosity and entertainment value. If right. I cared about it, it would definitely be long form. <clears throat> okay. Like and I wouldn't, the last I, don't, I don't have a short form version of that for the things like, for Africa tech or things I have to do in my day, day job. Yeah. Those are all full, full length pieces for me. Okay. Uh, last one, and you can interpret this question any way you think makes sense. What was the biggest lifestyle change you made in 2021? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, so I started working in sprints just through my time. I started blocking out, blocking hours of my day and working in like 30-minute uh, cycles, four-hour sprints. So I used to I use this thing called offshore working. And in 2020, you mean, in 2021, I think I started doing that. But it, <laughs> I what happened, I know what happened, what has happened this year is that I've ended up being um, super productive over long stretches and I have a much more, much better understanding of my own, of my capacity and how much time it takes to get something done. So internally, I think, oh, this would take five cycles or four cycles or three cycles. Um, probably, that's wow. probably the biggest thing I've done. So if I want to work, I know I'm going to work for like four hours or five hours and I get a bunch of things done. That's great. Uh, for the audience, anyone that likes that idea, you should check out Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. He talks a, a lot about this. And yeah. he has different examples about different people to work in different modes. One of them is what Ban Coley said, but there are different things that people do basically to just like increase their output and increase their efficiency. Yeah. But the most common one is just like hard time blocks. It's very, very difficult to do. Like yeah. sort of distractions these days. Exactly. So I, I basically have I've found a big difference in having a hard time block has allowed me to feel not only be more productive, but less nervous about time passing. I don't know if this happens to you, but I find that if I have things to do and I'm having fun, I feel guilty, but I can't get up to do it. So the phone is ruined and I feel guilty about the work and I'm not doing the work at the same time. Uh, but having time blocks allows me to know that like, oh, this is going to get done or this is not going to get done till tomorrow. So today I can watch TV all I want or whatever. Like I have time blocked for this. That's made the biggest yeah. difference for me this year. And you have time blocked for the podcast. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's also, I, I think that like I've taken on a lot of different personal projects, including writing on my blog this year. I think having time blocks has allowed me to still play a ton of FIFA as well. Um, <laughs> I don't have time blocks for that, which is strange. I don't have time blocks for that, but I spend way too much time playing FIFA. Yeah, you should, you should add time blocks for that. I think it would help you. Because you know, like, oh, it's going to end soon. It's going to end soon. Let me enjoy it. Let me maximize my enjoyment. It doesn't work. The best I can do is just like, <laughs> I play FIFA and be like, yeah, I'm going to work tomorrow. I have a time block for work tomorrow. FIFA is basically my default state right now. It's a problem, man. Nice. We need a, nice. a group for us. Okay. Okay. So you have yeah. questions for yes, me. Yes, I do. Yes, questions yes. that are is not that, podcast related. Is there something that you believe that most people disagree with you about? Oh, snap. Um... I think the majority of things, uh, most of them are not podcast friendly. <laughs> is, there, is, there, is there a podcast friendly one I could say that will be on the internet forever? Um, 
Okay, I have I have a podcast friendly one. Okay. The non podcast friendly ones, I'm not going to get into those ones. It's more important for people to think about developing countries in terms of giving money to drive entrepreneurs and funding ideas versus just aid. I'm not a big fan of aid at all. Every time I read things about aid, I, I just shake my head. It leads more to dependency. So yeah. that's one that's podcast friendly. I have more, but I'll leave those ones for later. I wanted, not a fan of aid. You know, I, I've thought of you say something like, um, don't pick individual stocks. Oh yeah, for for sure you shouldn't pick individual. But most people know that. I don't <clears> think so. I don't think so. I don't think I don't think most people do know yeah. that. I think it takes I, a lot I, of discipline. I'll, I'll, to I'll, I'll like, say that now. Uh, unless unless you're talking about a very very small proportion of your portfolio, maybe five, ten, twenty percent. Most people should not have individual stocks as the majority of their portfolio because the risk you're taking on a lot of risk. You can do it as a small proportion, but. Um, and, and you're taking on the kind of risk that's not the best. You're taking on risk that you could easily just like diversify away from. So I would say for most people, no. Yeah, I, I, I think it's very human to only focus on the upside. I get that. I agree with you. The math works out, but I, I even I myself have to keep remembering to not open a Robinhood account. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I say it with some reservation because there are a lot of ifs. You can do it if it's a small proportion of your portfolio. And then number two, the question is also how many individual stocks? If someone is going to do two versus 60, 60 becomes closer and closer to an index fund. So at that point, yes, they're doing individual stocks, but they're doing so many yeah. that the diversification is so high. So there are a lot of ifs. It depends on the individual. It depends on their risk appetite. It depends on their age. It depends on their job security. There's just a lot of ifs. So, But the generalized rule is I would say keep it to a small portion of your portfolio. Yeah. But there's so many ifs, you know, it depends on the person. But I wouldn't do it. Interesting. Okay, next one. What do okay. you think most people get wrong about being productive or getting yes. more done? What do uh, most people get wrong e about it? Easy multitasking. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're fooling yourself. Put your phone off, close the browser, focus, lock your door, tell your housemate, roommate, partner to not bother you. You just need to focus, focus. It's hard to be productive while you're doing too many tasks. Um, it just leads to like false sense of productivity, number one. And then number two, it takes, it's like a skill you can develop. It's sort of like going to the gym and lifting weights. Like you do a time block for 30 minutes, time block for an hour, time block for two hours. You just don't be like, well, I'm going to do a time block for six hours. At some point, you feel like cracking your neck. So I think those, those are two things. No distractions, no matter what you think. Multitasking, you know, it's just a fallacy. And then it's something you can get better over time. So don't be too hard on yourself. Just start start small. So if yeah. you had an extra $5,000 in your budget, for yes. some reason, windfall, how would you spend it? Uh, $5,000 windfall. Uh, angel investing in... In startups, African startups, one k each, five startups. Boom. Not even five k in one. No, five k in one. No, that's what I would do. Olumide is going to diversify away his wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's what I would do. That's a strange approach for, 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 for sure, for sure, hundred percent. Okay, because it's more, it's most likely going to go to zero. But I got it out of the balloon, so I'm net like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I just got it, but the outcome could be huge. That's weird. I would do. You wouldn't buy something nice for yourself? If I wanted to buy something nice, I would already have it. I have too many nice things, so definitely not. Must be nice. Must be nice. I, th I think we should wrap. I think we've got way off scripts. Recommendations and small wins. You want to go? No, we should talk about podcast plans for 2021. What are we doing in 2021? Ah, yes. Podcast plans for 2021. Yes. Okay. So um, more of the same. We're going to do more companies, more industry clusters, more sectors, more of what you love. We're going to do some sequels on existing episodes. Hopefully with the sequels, we can get some founders or operators that have worked in the companies just to juice juice up the story a little yeah. bit message us if you have any recommendations by the way or anybody you want us to speak to message us um if you're a listener and you want to tell your story yourself also message us yes yes we would we would prefer to get have guests on for sequels but if you have a really strong guest it's not even it's, even if it's a topic we haven't yet done we'd love to have the person let us know and then finally we're also going to try to get um, either VCs or angels that have a more horizontal perspective yeah. across, like they have a wider variety, a wider view of different um, sectors or companies that we can get them on to tell stories as well. So those yeah. are the plans. Nice. I also, I, th that's great. I'm excited about the 2021 for the podcast. I just want to say thank you to Olympia for being a great podcast co-host in general. Um, it's been great doing this uh, with you. Um, I have a lot of fun doing this. I feel like it it came out of regular conversations that we have and it's great to like have it some structure and know that people find value in it. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Just to be clear, I'm the driving force behind the podcast. If there's any what? ambiguity, let it be clear. That's what? why Bankle is... <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, I also what? want to thank I also thank Bankle. It's been fun. It's fun talking about some of these companies. You, you you get to learn a lot. And I feel like 
I'd also like to thank other people that are doing similar work. There are also yeah. a lot of other great African podcasts. So if you yeah. like our podcast, listening to, there's the Flip the Africa, Flip, yeah. there's Tech Cabal. Paystack yeah. um, also has a really good podcast where they get people exactly. on FinTech. So yeah, I, I feel like we're just we're, we're well. part of a family. So yeah. listen to all the other Africa Tech podcasts. And it's funny because we're a bit of an Africa Tech podcast. We're also a bit of a storytelling podcast. So also there's a China Tech Investor podcast, which is sort of like our podcast, but for China Tech. So yeah. I'm also very thankful to them. We're all part of the same team telling stories about companies in the sector. So cool. Yeah. Uh, our recommendation on Small Wings. Yes. Okay. Recommendation. So I have two recommendations. I actually read this book four weeks ago, but I forgot to recommend it two weeks ago. Um, it's called Modern Monopolies by Alex Mozed. And the context is he talks about monopolies over time mm-hmm. and how the business models of monopolies have changed and how governments and entrepreneurs should think about either creating their own monopolies or thinking about controlling, managing, regulating monopolies. It's actually it's a really, really good book. Um, the, 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 the summary of it, uh, please listen to it. I'll, I'll add a link to it. The summary is he talks about the fact that it's way easier to be uh, a modern monopoly if you're a tech company, mm-hmm. yeah, obvious. But specifically, if you're a tech company doing a platform business, and it's a platform business where both players of the platform are automatically coming to you with lower and lower friction. So in a way, it's similar to aggregation theory um, by Ben Thompson, except he has a broader view in his definition. Yeah. So really, really good book. Interesting. Your second yeah. recommendation? Then, yeah, second recommendation. This you're going to love. Index Companies, uh, an article by Eli Gill. So as we're talking about, just similar to what we're talking about on this podcast, he talks about focusing on companies that represents an entire sector and how that gives you a lot of the benefits of an index fund, but also some of the benefits of an individual uh, stock fund. So he talks about, for example, payments would be Stripe. For example, this would be this. And I think it's an interesting, it's, it's a brilliant article. You like, Gail is pretty famous. Yeah, worth reading just to think about, um, is this company so representative of the sector that you get almost all the benefits of index funds, which is diversification, but you also get a lot of benefits of an individual fund, which is obviously, you know, value appreciation, which would be higher than the average. Yeah. Um, very smart article. Very I, I, one of the things I find interesting in, in things like this, and I just peep, peeped it, when people talk about that is that I'm weary, even from a part of the reason I don't invest in individual stocks, other mm. than the obvious, is more price is such a big factor in investing. And I find that many people don't have a good way to determine the price for themselves. Correct. And I know intuitively that nothing is good at any price. Nothing is so nothing is so good that it cannot be overpriced or so bad that it cannot be underpriced. And right. it strikes me as, ooh, Tesla, buy Tesla, buy Apple. Yeah, but at, at what price though? And is it whatever what do you know about Apple that you you are convinced is not priced in other people don't know about Apple? So even if you can buy an index of companies, it's more like at what price? And then the argument yeah. starts to break down. You have to have a very Correct. differentiated way of finding the price of a of a security, which I don't think it's a very hard problem, technically, practically, otherwise. It's a job, right? It's a whole. It's a whole job. It's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole job, job in, in, in New York. They're called uh, analysts. They're called analysts, <laughs> and, I, and I find that people who invest in stocks, are like, oh, dude, everybody's going to get iPhones, and iPhones are losing the iPhone twelve. I was like, yeah, but you think other people don't know that? You think it's not priced? You're in? such a hater. That's actually that's some of the things I learned in 2020. Bank is such a hater. You're a hater in general. No, <laughs> I'm not I'm a hater. I'm a I'm a I'm a realist. Anyways. Okay. Wow. Okay, recommendations. I can go. Um, I read, I'm, I'm reading this book uh, called Art of Science and Engineering. Um, this guy, Dr. Richard Hammond, invented, discovered uh, error correction codes. So when you send digital signals, you have to send them error correction codes. That way you can know if there's an error. So all most digital transmission today uses Hammond's error correction codes. Um, wow. They're pretty brilliant. Um, but part of what he wrote this this paper, that's part of this class he used to give in college about... Um, you and your research. So basically, one of the things that struck me, what is the most important problem in your area and why aren't you working on it? And it's a very like, it's a very thought-provoking thing that I think about quite a bit a lot. Like, what is the most important mm. problem that you know of and why aren't you working on it? And it's like, okay. Wow. Challenge is, is, is there an implicit correlation between importance and uh, wealth? No. <laughs> I think his point is more like, you have to believe it's an important problem. So it's not even, right. which is why it's a subjective answer. Like, are right. you working on the most impactful thing you could be working on? I think that's sort right. of what is causing people to reevaluate. And it talks about like, like how it. to think, how to do work. So re- I'll share the paper, but I'll share the book that is a collection of a class he used to give at the Naval Academy. Um, I, I, lo- I love the paper it. Is and adding that layer of subjectivity makes it then align more with your interests 
And if it's something you're naturally interested in, you're likely to work harder yeah. and then you can reap more, more benefits. Or if it's something you're not interested in, you can just realize that I, I actually don't think this is like the most important for me. Whatever my constraints are, yeah. I want to go do yeah. something else. Uh, Thought-provoking. And many other stuff in the paper and many other stuff in his book. So please read it. Wow, deep shit. I'm still, I'm still uh, getting that one. Okay, small wins, two small wins. Hanging out with some of our friends who visited Miami uh, last week. It was great just to see people in person. You guys, we to in Miami in Beach, you guys. Yeah, it, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since we've hung out with people. And I think we haven't hosted people in our apartment in like six or seven months. So it was good to hang out with them. Good people, good conversations, fun. Sunny, rainy and cold in Seattle. Sunny and warm in Miami. Seattle has its benefits. Okay, and then the second small maybe one, Maybe uh, that's I why I'm grumpy. What do you think? Maybe that's why I'm actually grumpy I, I all think, the time. I, I think weather we're gets grumpy to me. even in Lagos. It's a personality <laughs> thing. It's a genetic thing. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. uh, last small win. I watched the original Rocky from 1976 and Rocky II from 1979. Fabulous movies. I'd never watched them. Context is, I wanted to watch Creed. And I was like, oh, I should just watch the Rocky movies. But I only watch movies that have a cutoff of score of 7.0 and above on IMDb. I'm like, I hope their score is Also, good. if you want to say about so, Olympia, it's not doing personal stuff. Olympia has all these arbitrary rules for everything. It's not arbitrary, man. It's a quality rule. Olympia has arbitrary rules for everything. You can ask him about how he picks t-shirts. I'm sure he has like yeah, a... Everything. Like, I have a rule. There's a rule for it. Like, I don't buy cotton, things that right? are like this. Percentage of cotton to polyester. You see this? Yo, a fucking scientist, to, engineer, investor person. What would you expect? You need to write a blog post about these are my rules for life. Cutting shirts. I don't know how many dislikes and hate email I would get. <laughs> I don't think so. Any, anyway, both movies are classics. All the other sequels, I'm not going to watch because the IMDb scores are less than seven. And then I'm going to start with Creed probably tomorrow. So cool, small. This, one. this gentleman watched a five-part movie. Watched the first two, skip three and yeah. four because they don't rate on IDB and going to number yeah. five. Why would I spend two hours of my time watching stuff that's objectively shit? People have voted that it's shit. I'm not going to watch it. Um, so yeah, um, shout um, out. Yes, you're special. <laughs> You're small, very special. Uh, okay, my own small win. My small wins are usually just FIFA related. Oh gosh. Yes, it's it's important to me. It's important to me. I played a lot of FIFA over these holidays, and I finally made it to Division One. And if you know oh, what that wow. is, we had a Division Two small win two weeks ago. Yeah, dude. dude. Imagine how much FIFA I'm playing. Just imagine how much of my life is getting wasted away on the sports. I used to want another cop there, so that's pretty good. Um, my wow. fantasy has gone to shit too, by the way. Just just for the record. It's fine. I win at FIFA. It's what matters. Yeah, and also you still have half of the season, right? You have a lot of time to hit it back. So. No, but other people, it's a competition. Right. So if you miss one week, you can't make it back in theory and practice. It's war, man. Well, that's my small win. On that note, so we'll see everyone in 2021. Thank you all. Enjoy whatever rest of the holidays you have. And yeah. Thank you all for being great guests. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year, all that stuff. Cheers. Right. Cheers. So cool. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, topics you'd like to hear, or just want to say hello, please email info at afferability.com. Thanks.